back to the Resilient Business Podcast, a resource for collective action in a time of crisis. We've started this pop-up podcast to help entrepreneurs and business owners build resilience. We'll be sharing concrete advice to get through the very real challenges around COVID-19. And we'll also be facilitating space to come together as a wider community so that we can support and encourage one another. Your hosts today are Sonia Simone from Remarkable Communication and Heather Thorkelson from heatherthorkelson.com. This episode of Resilient Business FM is brought to you by the Slow Business Adventure, and you can grab their free digital magazine at slowbizfix.com. So let's jump into it. I'm looking forward to today's episode. In the last episode, we talked about the one thing your marketing has to do, kind of always and especially now, and that's present an offer that your audience wants. And we also talked about how important it is to just relentlessly ask yourself this question. Why do my people want this right now? Exactly. So what do you do as a business owner that people might actually want right now? Today, we're going to run through some examples of companies that have figured out how to pivot on short notice and stay relevant to their end users or clients in spite of the pandemic. So the first example I want to give you are uh, a company, it's a company that's run by a couple of friends of mine, Paul and Grace in Toronto, Canada. It's called 100 Kilometer Foods. Now 100 Kilometer Foods started out as uh, basically kind of a farm to table organization. They were taking a truck out uh, to very small scale farmers who rode things like, you know, heirloom tomatoes and that kind of thing, and then found restaurants that wanted this really unique, amazing produce that was sourced really close to where they were located, hence the name 100 Kilometer Foods. So previous to COVID-19, they were a wholesale only business, bringing this farm fresh local produce to some of Toronto's best restaurants. Now in response to COVID-19, when nobody's going to restaurants, they've expanded their business to include the retail market. What does that mean? Well, that allows them to actually continue to be able to feed the community, but just not via restaurants. Instead, they're bringing healthy local food to individuals and families during the pandemic. So we don't have to worry about going to a restaurant anymore to get this amazing local produce. You can get it and take it directly home. Now, what they're doing is they're offering a series of 100 kilometer foods market boxes, and they contain some of the best quality products from their network of farmers and producers. So it's fantastic because the people getting these market boxes can feel good knowing that every box they purchase supports local farmers and and small businesses, small food businesses. And um, in turn, this helps keep these small farmers who really depend on companies like 100 Kilometer Foods to stay alive. It allows them to keep going and not fall or fold underneath the current circumstances. The other really cool thing that they do is they're partnering with the restaurants that they used to take all of their product produce to. Um, they're still taking some of it to them and those restaurants are creating meals in a box that their favorite, you know, their, their hardcore customers can go in and buy and take back home. So it's a really great example of how they completely changed their business model on short notice to just meet the need directly of not only those end users, the people who are eating their, the food that they get from the farms, but helping the farmers and helping the restaurants all stay alive. Yeah. And I'm seeing that, um, you know, 
in, in, in various places where you have the smart food producers, especially like the artisan, the smaller producers, because um, small businesses tend to be more um, agile, more nimble. And so, yeah, we've had uh, local trout farms uh, do something very similar. We've had, you know, local um, ranches do something similar. So, yeah, ask yourself, um, you know, is there another way I could get what I do to the person who's, who's going to use it if my, my primary venue is closed off? Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about another example. Um, so our, our co-host, Toral Wilhelmson, um, she and I work together. Sometimes we, work, we do some client work together. And something we've been doing is talking with authors. So if you write a book, um, most authors will tell you that writing the book is not, if you're not Stephen King, it's like, that's not where you make the money as a general rule, especially for nonfiction. You write the book and then uh, what you make a living on is uh, typically speaking gigs is, is very, very common. Um, okay, well, 2020, all your speaking gigs just got canceled. So how are you going to pay your mortgage? Um, so Toro and I have been talking with authors um, and we're actually, we actually kind of created a, um, like a package plan for people to supplement the books that they already have. They're already reaching an audience. People already know them. How does that audience get the transformation from the book? How does that audience actually do the thing that the book tells them how to do? Um, and we have a couple of, um, ways that we work with people. So one of the things we do is just self-publish a workbook. This is something you can do with 21st century technology super fast, is take your ideas and turn them into action in the form of a workbook, get it self-published. You can pop it up on Amazon, you know, really, really reliably. And that's a way to increase the value to your, your audience you already have. Another way to do it, which would be a step beyond, but really valuable um, and more lucrative, is to take those ideas and turn them into a workshop that, of course, we would be delivering virtually. And you're seeing a lot of that now, right? Take what you did face-to-face -face and do it virtually. Um, and you could certainly do a virtual speaking tour. That would be cool. You're probably not going to get, um, you're probably not going to generate a lot of revenue, but a workshop where you're going to interact with people. Um, that's for a lot of speakers. I know for me as a speaker, that is my, that is so fun for me is the talking to the audience afterwards and the questions people come to me with in the hallway. You can reproduce all of that. Again, you can help get the transformation that you want to deliver. Your mission is to help people be more productive or grow better tomatoes or, you know, um, have a great meditation practice, whatever it is. When you do a workshop, work with people maybe 10, 20, 50, even 100 at a time, virtually in a workshop, you can help them get that transformation, and it helps um, you as an author, um, you know, gives you another revenue source, which is always a good thing, and I think this is really important. It prepares you for when times are good again. It, it, it builds a better foundation for when we are going to go do the speaking gigs again, for when we are going to deliver to restaurants again. So it sort of preserves the ecosystem and even builds it. And that's another component I would love for you guys to look for when you're thinking about changing direction. 
I love that you said that, Sonia, because it dovetails perfectly into my next example, that whole idea of building a foundation. So the next example I want to share is in my own company, my second company, Twin Tracks Expeditions, which is a polar travel company. Obviously, we're not running polar expeditions right now because yeah. the whole world is at a standstill, right? There's no airplanes. Norway, which is one of the primary places that we operate, is completely closed to foreigners. So we're stuck. We are at a standstill. We have had to cancel the season. Nobody is booking into future seasons. It's just flatlined. But this is something that we saw as an opportunity. So we decided to focus on a couple of things. One of those is education. So when people start thinking about wanting to travel in general, they start doing research, right? When they start thinking about traveling to the polar regions, these are still kind of niche travel experiences and there's a lot of information to sift through. So we are starting to focus on doing more educational posts on social media, sending out newsletters that try to help people differentiate between different types of expeditions that they can do on ships, what do they want to see? Do they want to see penguins or polar bears? Do they want to go on a big ship, small ship, that kind of thing. So, so we're creating a relationship with these folks out there looking for trips by helping them sift through all of that information. It also helps build up our authority capital because our company is run by people who have worked in the polar travel industry for many years. We're not agents sitting at a desk somewhere in a big city. We're all polar travel guides who know this stuff inside and out. So interacting with people on an educational level helps them see, wow, these guys are the real deal. These are, the, these are our polar insiders. We want to learn from them. We want to travel with them, which is really good for our company down the line, right? We're establishing the no, no like and trust factor so that when they decide to book a trip, the likelihood of them choosing to book with our company is quite high. And the one other thing that we're doing, which I really love doing, actually, funny enough, is podcasting. <laughs> so we're currently developing our second season of our podcast, which is called Antarctic Stories. And that's a really cool opportunity as well, because obviously podcasting is evergreen. It gets into people's ears all over the world. We get to bring really interesting stories about the polar universe to anyone everywhere. And that also allows us to do educational stuff. So it's, it's been kind of an interesting uh, stage for us of just being like, well, we can't do what we normally do. So what do we do now? Well, let's talk about what we love. Let's connect with people, you know, let's help people in the meantime. And then once things start to get back to normal, as you said, Sonia, then that opens up for, you know, deepening those relationships. Yeah. And this is, you know, um, this is a good time to do some of those um, important but not urgent tasks, you know, from, um, from Stephen Covey. The things, they really do matter a lot, but like they haven't been on the, maybe at the top of the to-do list because, you know, nothing's on fire. Um, so if you can do it, and it's, those are the hardest tasks on our list, you know, are those things, they're really important, but we just, they're not urgent. So, they keep getting pushed out. I am working on a book, <laughs> another classic example of such a task. So is, could you do the thing that you haven't just been able to squeeze into your schedule? Um, and I won't tell you that this is an easy time to do that, but you might be able to do it. You might be able to um, work on it a little bit every day and get it done. So think about that as an option. Uh, and I'm going to wrap up with one. Um, I'm going to vague book this a little bit because uh, this is somebody I talked with on an NDA, but I found this person's situation so relevant to so many people. Um, 
this person's a social media influencer. Uh, he's a big name in his market, a really big name in his market. And, you know, this is so, this is the guy who has the perfect life, right? He has the perfect, cute, adorable husband. He has the cute, adorable two children. He has the fabulous apartment. It's all Instagram ready. He has the Instagram ready life. In real life, I met this guy at an event and I was like, I would never have even recognized you <laughs> without the lighting and the hair, you know, like that's not who he really is. That's his Instagram life. And he's made, he's made a ton of money on that life. Well, between the pandemic and some other issues that have been going on because life is hard and we have stuff come up, um, his confidence has just taken a total, just, you know, punch in the belly and he's not feeling it. He's not feeling the perfect life. He's not having the perfect life. His two kids can't go to daycare because of the pandemic. And so, you know, and they're really little and there's all this stuff coming up. Right. And so something that I counseled him and I would counsel you is if you have an authority with your audience and your authority is always based on being like, you know, like really having it together. Okay. Really having your stuff together. I'm like monitoring my language right now. And then this stuff hits the fan, right? Then it's like, things are not so great anymore. What people want from you now is not necessarily for you to be so perfect. Is not necessarily for you to have that perfect apartment and that perfect marriage and the, the children who never get dirty and never, you know, interrupt you. What people might want from you now is for you to be real and for you to have problems like they have problems and for you to show them, hey, some days are really tough and some days are kind of, kind of pretty good, you know, to get more real with your audience. Now, again, this is something I would recommend you do all the time is not present this picture perfect Instagram. I have no problems. Everything in my life is amazing. I'm swimming in cash and I always, always beautifully lit right? That's fine as far as it goes. But when you add some reality to that, when you say, hey, guess what? This is what I look like without the fancy lights on. And this is what my kid looks like <laughs> when I'm not shooting them with a the super awesome filter. That's, that's where you get the real connection. And when you have a real connection, you can make a real transformation. So that is another option for you right now. If you um, and honestly, it's not that your audience needs you to be perfect. It's really about you and your own head. It really is. So if you could find some bravery to let people in on, um, you don't have to let them in behind the whole train wreck and you probably shouldn't, <laughs> but let them see. Hey, dudes, this is hard for everybody. That's really powerful. That's when you really deepen that connection, just like in a relationship. You know, when you're in a relationship with somebody like a romantic relationship, um, the relationship really starts to mean something when you're not all dolled up all the time for one another. That's such a good point. So, um, yeah, so just to recap, to kind of bring this back, um, when we're talking about marketing in a pandemic or marketing in time of crisis, we change them, we change the message because what our audience wants changes, but we preserve the mission. You're there to serve, right? You're there because you want to give people something in this world. You want to help them have a better life. Your mission is the same, but 
your message in the time of crisis makes the offer more relevant based on where they are today. And that's how you can have a super top of mind message, but keep your integrity, keep your evergreen mission. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you stick to your original mission and put people first, mm. you're the company that people will remember down the line, right? This is the relationship economy and the relationship economy will trump the transactional economy anytime. They will remember you were the one that treated them like a person, not a cash pinata. And that kind of integrity is powerful currency. So stick to your original mission, put people first, keep it real. And you know, that example that Sonia gave of just sort of showing people a little bit who you are. I want to quickly reference our good friend, Randy Buckley, who does a lot of great work around boundaries. And Randy says, you know, you, you at any point as a public figure, you can open the door a little bit just a crack or like a sliver. And then yeah. when you're done, you close the door again. You know, you can peel back the curtain a little bit, but you control how much you peel back the curtain and when you close that curtain. And, and that, you know, adding a little bit of humanity into what you're putting out into the world right now. That's what people need, right? Yeah. 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 Randy's awesome. I'll give you guys a link to that in the show notes because she's amazing. Um, all right. So specific recommendations for today. Um, I would say, you know, if you can do it like right now or today before the end of the day, that'd be awesome is to pull out some kind of a tool, a, a notepad. I actually do this on paper and just throw some ideas around what is it, what kind of message, what kind of connection, or even just what kind of product or service do your customers, your clients need right now? What do they need to hear from you right now? And what could they use right now? What could they use more of right now? And that could be emotional support, or it could be like organic, delicious vegetables. I mean, if I had that 100K food market box in my community, I would have signed up for it four weeks ago. Um, <laughs> So what is it you can offer? How can you support their needs? Um, in this context of social distance, um, and we've talked about this last week, you know, it's not going away anytime soon. We're going to have these um, differences to, to deal with for quite a while, you know, maybe a year, maybe longer. So um, think about what are people need today? What are they going to continue to need and preserve that ecosystem, protect the ecosystem? So that's it for today. Um, Heather, I want to thank you for uh, sharing about Twin Tracks because that is like a real point of vulnerability. I mean, travel companies right now are the ones where it's like hard to see the upside. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you yeah. know, if, the, if you can find something to focus on to get you through and you know not every travel company is going to be okay some will be going under but you know we're in an okay position and we have to focus on the things that we can focus on that have longevity so yeah and I, i'm seeing that with restaurants as well like they're going to be in the united states for sure they're going to be a lot of restaurants that do not make it but there are a lot of chefs and teams and um you know uh operations managers who are going to make it and so, um, you know, you might be on a project that doesn't, that doesn't make it, or you might be able to pull your project together, do a little bit of a turn and make it happen. Um, either way, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do this together. So, um, you know, kumbaya. Uh, 
if you would like to join us in our private Facebook group, because we all need a little help sometimes. We all need somebody to lean on sometimes. Um, if you point your browser to resilientbusiness.fm, that will whisk you to a place where you can sign up for an email list. This is not like a super spam list. We're going to be just sending you some stuff we find useful, relevant, mostly free things, possibly one or two paid things, and an invite to that private Facebook group. So that would be um, a great idea if you haven't done it yet. And of course, um, if you know any other business owners or side hustlers who need a little help making it happen and keeping, um, you know, keeping their mojo, uh, we would love it. If you share this with them, you could just share it with them. You can like the podcast. You can share it on social. Those are all wonderful things to do. And we really appreciate every like and every link. Thank you guys so much. So that's it for today. Heather, thank you for your awesomeness. Thank you. And everybody stay safe and go do great things. Bye.